I guarantee you, somebody told uh, one time the great evangelist years and years ago, uh, his name was Gypsy Smith. He was a traveling pastor, evangelist. And he, he really, as far as skill, couldn't sing, not a lick. And somebody said, uh, Gypsy, you need to, pre you need to uh, sing from your diaphragm. And he said, I don't want to sing from my diaphragm. I want to sing from my heart. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Amen. I watched, the first time I've got to kind of sit over here and watch you play, and I enjoyed that. It was great because I could watch her fingers and hear that piano and hear this piano and those keyboards and just listen to how you guys were all harmonizing and, and playing together. I don't even know if I got the right words, but it's like the, it's like the, uh, the instruments were harmonizing uh, in glory to God. So that was great. That was great. Open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to take a little side note today. I uh, just feel impressed of the Holy Spirit to do so. Genesis chapter 4. <clears throat> In the last few weeks, our nation, it's just been crazy to me. Uh, if you think back through, and, I, and I'm not a stickler for dates, but if you think back through the last few weeks, we've gone from the horror several weeks ago of a crazed, insane terrorist in Orlando going into a bar and shooting, killing tons of people, but killing 49 people. I mean, what a horrendous act. And that seems to me now like that's almost like a distant memory, which is really weird, isn't it? That bad stuff's happening so fast and just bam, 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 that that seems like, man, that ought to be so fresh to us. But like we've moved on from that like 10 times. But we had that happen and then you know, other stuff, and then we moved into some Ju July, the 4th Independence Day celebrations that really, maybe because of the attack or whatever, it felt kind of united. It felt good, you know, and then we, we go to the news this past week to what at least appears to be citizens being needlessly shot by police officers, and then we go to police officers being murdered, outright murdered, in the streets of Dallas by a sniper. No chance for a mistake on that one, outright murdered, intentional. Five officers dead, 11 officers shot. I mean, I just kept seeing all that stuff, and as a community leader, as a pastor, I'm thinking, man, what am I supposed to say? Man, what am I supposed to do? You know, you got to be careful, don't you, what you say anymore, it seems, because people want to vilify you either way and almost misinterpret you every time but all through the week I just kept asking myself you know what in the world is going on with this I mean how did we get here and, and our nation I just kept thinking man it is in terrible 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 shape this is crazy this is demonic this is crazy and as a community leader, I've asked myself a thousand times, I mean, like, how do we fix this, right? That's the question every one of us ought to be asking, one of the many questions, but how do we really fix this? What the heck is broken? What the heck is wrong that this kind of stuff just seems to be not something we hear about once every five-year now or a 10-year deal or a twice-a-year deal? It's, it's almost like the daily news. I know what the answer is. 
But let me ask you this to help you just kind of think through it. You think about the people who did the shooting in every case. What if someone, a Christian, a true Christian, when I use, now when I talk about Christians today, I want you to understand I'm talking about true Christ followers. I'm not talking about church members or people who just claim to be Christians. In fact, when I go to India, I don't even use the term that I'm a Christian because it has such bad connotations in Europe and Asia and other places because of what people have done in the name of Christianity. I say I'm a follower of Jesus. But, you know, what if a follower of Jesus had led each one of those people, the people involved in those shootings, what if somebody had invested time, took a risk, and led each one of those people to a true relationship with Jesus Christ and doesn't stop there, had taken the time, and it does take time and effort, it takes sacrifice to disciple them one-on-one. If that had really happened to each person who pulled a trigger in all this series of events, somebody had led them to really accept Jesus and then had taken the time and the effort to really disciple them, to teach them, to bring them along and teach them the good way of Christ. Do you truly believe that the outcome would have been different? I really do. It's not that Christians and believers, true Christians, don't make mistakes, but True Christians aren't outright murderers. And do you think that the outcome would have been different? I really do. And so as I said earlier, because of kind of the state of what has happened in our nation and culture, uh, this is going to be kind of a different kind of message today. I want you to listen to me, though, if you would, very, very closely, if you will. I want you to, in a sense, kind of lean in and really give me your ear Because here's why. There is a growing and very, very, now listen to me, very dangerous amount of anger and frustration that is welling up all around us, and hear me, Christ followers, in us. And we as Christ followers, we as followers of Jesus Christ, must, absolutely must, rise above it. We must rise above it in order to shine the light of Jesus Christ, that which could have changed these situations, these tragedies. If we don't rise above it, if we don't recognize what's going on and we don't deal with it biblically in our own hearts first, we won't have a witness to share. And that is exactly what Satan would have. And so in Genesis chapter 4, I want you to read an interesting story with me if you would. In Genesis chapter 4, This is a passage that just kept coming back to me. It's at the creation. Adam and Eve are there. Now, Adam knew he had relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived (coughs) and she bore Cain. And she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now, it is interesting that she and Adam had just fallen 
And God said, I'm going to provide a redeemer. And some of the language here indicates that she might have had her hopes in this being that very redeemer. But it was not. She said, I have acquired, I have, I've, I've gotten this from the Lord. And then she bore again. So time is passing here. And this time is brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. That word respect means to accept, to accept it. Now look at Cain's response. Cain was what? <clears throat> Very angry. And you can tell anger every time because the next phrase, his countenance fell. <clears throat> so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? He's urging him to do right and do good. If you do not do well, this is, this is a warning. Sin lies at the door. Like a, like a crouching animal, he's saying. And its desire is for you. This is like an animal at the door that wants you. But you should rule over it. Some more time passes, evidently. It just looks like the next second. It's not. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother. And he murdered him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Now, the Lord always knows that, but he wants us to come clean. Look at his smart-alecky answer. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on this earth. And so it's like now, I mean, everything's going to be messed up. Everything's going to be hard. Everything's going to be difficult. Adam and Eve, <coughs> it appears, had learned to worship God. Certainly they did after the fall and, you know, he killed the animals and made a covering for them. They wanted to get it right now and they had learned to worship God during, uh, probably even before the fall, before sin brought its curse in, but certainly after the fall and after they rebelled against God and fell into sin, that started all the trouble. When they sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't like they just got dirty, as you've heard me say a lot of times, huge change occurred. Humanity was, was warped, if you will. 
All of us and all of their children and all of their descendants right down to us have had a bent towards evil, a, 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 listen, a proclivity towards sinfulness and warped desires. Huge changes occurred when they fell. All the changes were negative and they, and they changed and they became now, instead of this couple that was living with and near God and walking with God, they became selfish. They became greedy. They experienced emotions that they had never experienced before. Adam and Eve, they experienced shame. You know, it says immediately their eyes were opened and they knew they were naked. Like they were so innocent before this that like it was just natural. They didn't even think about clothes. And now it's like, you know. And so what God does is he he provides a cure for that. This is the first picture of Jesus Christ coming, the innocent one to die to cover the guilty. God took innocent animals and he killed those animals and he took the skins of those animals and made coverings for them. And you see the first picture of an innocent one dying to cover the guilt and shame of mankind. And uh, then Perhaps at that time, too, God taught them about proper sacrifices and proper worship and and the shedding of innocent blood for the forgiveness of their sins. They would have passed those right along to their children. And they would have taught about the importance of worshiping God. And and I just want to point out several things quickly, and then we're going to get right to the heart of it. But first of all, when you see these two sons, Cain and Abel, you, you see that, first of all, they both appear at first to be good boys. They're both hard workers. They're workers. I mean, it, one of the first things it says, Cain tilled the ground, that is, he was a farmer, and Abel raised the flock. So that, that's hard work in anybody's book if it's done right. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. God is saying this is a good thing. Work is a good thing. But here's what workers, people who go out and work and work need to be They need to be worshipers or they'll become idolaters. That is, focusing on the gifts, the crops, the flocks, not the giver. Did you hear that? Workers need to be worshipers or they may become idolaters, focused on the gifts, not the giver. Forgetting that God is the one who gives the energy to work, that God is the one who gives us health, that God is the one that causes the plants to grow and helps us gain wealth. And if we don't watch it as workers, we can begin to think, this is what I did, and this is what I've done, and I deserve. And the moment that word comes out of your mouth, those words, this is what, hey, I deserve. You're beginning to get in trouble. There's a fascinating passage in in Deuteronomy. Don't turn there. It's where Moses is warning the nation of Israel about the fact that you've been blessed and you've had this and you've had that and you've been delivered from slavery. Remember who you are and remember that you were powerless and remember that God is the one who set you free and remember that without him you would still be slaves. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he's warning them not to forget God. I think it is a haunting description, listen to it, of why our nation is in the terrible condition that we are in right now. Moses warns them and he says, when you have eaten and you're full, 
Then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I have given you this day. Now here it is. Listen, lest when you have eaten and you're full, you've built beautiful houses and you dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, beware that you don't forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. And then you shall say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. If you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them or worship them, I testify against you. Moses is saying this. He loves these people. I testify against you, Israel. You shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord God destroyed before you so shall you perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. I read that and that scares me to death. I mean, it's like, man, when you would think when a nation like Israel or, or people like Cain, their crops grow and everything's happening and they got everything they need and Israel's blessed, you would think they would stop and slow down. When a nation's been and say, thank you, Lord, you would think that a nation like America wouldn't push the Lord away and forsake the Lord, but they would say, hey, Lord, you're the reason we've got all this stuff. We need to remember who saved us, Christians. And then we need to remember that we've forsaken the only one who can save us. Now I want to go back just for a second, because this is what's happened with Cain to our story in Genesis. Both Cain and Abel were workers but they became a, Cain became an idolater. He didn't become a worshiper. They tried to be. In time, both Cain and Abel came before the Lord with a sacrifice, with some worship, and God accepted Abel and his sacrifice, but he rejected Cain and his sacrifice. And here's what happens. Even though the Lord lovingly draws him back, Cain, rather than just, all he had to do was confess his sin, ask for forgiveness and cleansing, Instead of that, he just got hunkered down in his anger. He could not believe that God rejected him. And he couldn't believe that God even more accepted his brother's offering. Now, I want you to follow this because pastors have gotten this wrong for years and years and years. Cain wasn't rejected because of the offering itself. The offering was rejected because of Cain. Because his heart and that attitude weren't right before the Lord. If you go to the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, 4. You don't need to go there, but chapter 11, verse 4. It tells us that it was by faith that Abel offered a more sacrifice, acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Hebrews 11, 4. It was by faith that he, in other words, he, he offered his with 
faith. He knew that the animals he offered weren't sufficient to die for him. He knew that someone was going to have to die for him. And by faith, he said, this is a picture of one who will be innocent, who will die one day for me. And, and, and so Abel believed in God. He had an attitude of faith. He trusted in God. He depended on God. But Cain didn't. It wasn't that one was a blood offering and the other was a grain offering or a whatever. The Old Testament would later come along and the Old Testament would actually command offerings of grain, offerings of fruit. Leviticus 2, Deuteronomy chapter 26. So we, we have reason to believe that such sacrifices were acceptable from the beginning where they presented with a proper heart. But I believe this with all my heart, even if Cain had brought an animal sacrifice and shed their blood, they wouldn't have been accepted by God because of the state of his heart. Abel brought the very best he could find and he had, and he truly sought to honor and give glory to God. Cain did not have that attitude of faith. He didn't want to depend on God one ounce or one inch. And the fact that people... That should remind us that, that just because people attend religious meetings or participate in church activities, that's no proof that people are true believers. Second Timothy, we're warned it's possible to have a form of godliness, but deny the very power thereof. Um, God speaks of people, and so did the Lord Jesus, who, and I, and I want to quote, come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts... Are far from me. The most costly sacrifices, now listen to me, the most costly sacrifices, apart from the submission of your heart, will never make you right before God. And so what happens is God rejects, He receives Abel's offering, He rejects Cain's offering. And the Bible says that. Cain just became very angry. The Hebrew implies that he burned with anger. I mean, he was hot. Man. God speaks to him personally. We saw it and read it. God tried to say, look, if you just do right, will you not be accepted? Now, that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's it. That's it. I mean, if you, just, if you just do right, you'll be accepted. And, and But he just... He just resisted. He got angry. And he copped an attitude and he starts arguing with God. But isn't it just like the Lord to give us another opportunity to obey him? Aren't you glad? I sure am glad that God gives us another. And isn't it just like us stubborn sinners to refuse his gracious help? How many chances do you honestly think God has given the church in America? How many honest chances do you think God has given America as a nation? You know what we do? We hunker down. We get mad. <clears throat> We're fine. And you can see it in the laws of the land and the most ridiculous decisions that you've ever seen being made. And you can see it in the common. You can see it in the churches who would rather die than open their doors to people who don't look like them. And you can see it that we shake our fist and God's face just like Cain and say as a nation and as a people we <laughs> we we don't need God do we you're my dearest friends in the world 
You're, you really are. I love you. I love this church. You're my church family. And when I see all that's going on around us, the absolute insanity, the unmitigated evil on every front in our nation and around the world, and I think it's just that we're starting to experience it here. It's been going on since the fall. But verses 6 <laughs> and 7 just keeps ringing in my ears this last week, this conversation between God and Cain. The Lord called, look at verse 6, to Cain. He asked him a question, actually two questions, but he says, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Well, that's a great question, isn't it? Now, let me ask you something. Before you got here today, because, man, this is a happy place. Music was so happy and upbeat, and I didn't even develop this message until I got up at about 3.30 this morning and just said, God, I know I can't preach the other one. I'm just, you got to speak to me. But we come here, and it's a feel-good place, and I love it. If 80% full is full, buddy, we are packed. Amen? I mean, God is blessing this church, and God is moving. But let me just, this is, let me just ask you something about the national situation, about what is in your life. Let me ask, why are you angry? I mean, that's a great question to ask, isn't it, of white America, of black America, of cops, of citizens, of of Christians, of, of Muslims, of every, why, why are you, and let me personalize that, now seriously, be open, don't, you know, with this stupid election you got going on, right, <laughs> and I would let everybody answer, but I promise you, everybody will be answered, but it's great, but why are, I'm asking you to ask yourself, and look inside and say, why am I angry, and especially if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've been set free from sin and he has rescued you and washed all your sins away and he died for you on a cross and, and, uh, and, and he has set you free and, and lives in you, why are you angry? A lot of us are angry because we feel like this nation's slipping away. A lot of us are angry because we feel like we're being done wrong. We're tired of being abused or we're losing power or whatever. I don't know, man. There's a thousand reasons, isn't there? Maybe some of you are just angry because your wife mixed, matched your socks this morning. I don't know. But Pete, we're just angry. But it goes deeper than just like something silly like that, doesn't it? And, and what concerns me is it, it does concern me that people who don't know Christ are angry. But what really is concerning me in America is that a lot of Christians are just really angry. Just angry. In verse 7, God looks at Cain and he says, If you do well, like if you do right, will you not be accepted? But notice this, and boy, this has just burned me up this week. If you do not do well, what God is saying is you be careful. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When you watch Fox News and you watch CNN and MSNBC and all the rest of them, every single news outlet, you be careful. They got products to sell. And they don't really care if you get angry. In fact, some of them want you to get angry. And I don't care whether it's a liberal slant or a conservative slant. It, it, it's all got a slant. It's all got a slant. And, and I'm going to tell you something. 
you be careful because, listen, if you do not do well, if you don't follow Christ, if you don't follow this, if I don't follow this, sin lies at your door. And it desires to have you. And it will get you mad at your car or your wife or black people or white people or politicians or Donald Trump or uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, 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 it'll get you mad at the Republicans, the independents, the libertarians. It, it just crouches and says, just let me get them. That is an amazing statement to me. He's saying, Cain, you be careful because if you don't do right, sin is crouching at the door. It's like a fierce beast crouching at the door of your life. Cain, you better not open that door. People ask me, well, you see what's on the news? No, I don't watch much news. I really don't. I like to be happy. I just like to be happy. That's right. Happy Jack. Why shouldn't I be happy? I'm saved. I was lost and on my way to hell. I was a little nobody raised on the west side of Charlotte. Drug addict started using drugs in the good night. The fifth grade, stupid and lost. And mom and dad's foot up. Dad used to beat me, an alcoholic, and didn't give a rip about us. Abandoned us and left us as little kids. But I've been redeemed. I'm at the Lord of this universe. He loves me. He loves me. He saved me. He can change any life anywhere at any time. And we owe him so much. Why do I want to let Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton or somebody else who's pulling triggers or doing whatever, why do I as a redeemed child of God want to let that control my life? Really, really, do we not have anything better to focus on? Is there not something higher? Is there not something more noble? Is there not someone that we all as individuals need to come back to and say, God, you know what? Not we as a nation. Yes, there's a place for that. Not we as a community. But, and yes, there's eventually a place for that. But God, it's me. I'm Cain. I'm the one that has put an offering in your face that was unacceptable. And now I'm mad at you because you didn't accept me. And God, that is sinful. And God, I realize that anger and prejudice and sin is like, listen, it's dangerous to carry grudges. It's dangerous to harbor prejudice. I know it's hard. I grew up hating black people. Hating black people. They came through our neighborhoods. We chased them out. Got in huge fights. If we came through theirs, they chased us out. It was mutual. We hated each other. But I'm redeemed in Christ. Time for that foolishness is over. That's stupid. That's sinful. That's ignorant. Most of us defend it more than we defend the Bible. White and black. I'm not getting on any one crowd. You notice I'm saying white and black and everybody in between. Because we all got this junk in us, man. It's, but it's so unlike Christ when we do that. 
Do you understand that this type of anger in our hearts is so incredibly dangerous? And it's not just dangerous to our physical lives. Here's what it's dangerous to. It is dangerous to the very mission to which Christ himself, who died for us, has called us as a church and as individuals. It will derail the whole mission of this church. Because what happens is you get focused on it, I get focused on it, and then I want to tell you something. We're sitting there, and, 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 and we're watching this, and we're listening to that, and it's welling up inside of us, and this beast is crouching at the door saying, open the door, open the door, just open the door, just a little further, just a little further, and we don't just crack it open, we throw it open, and we just feed that beast and then we're talking about that and upset about that and killing one another and fighting and, and, and just hating and there's no end to it. And, 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 and all that time, you know what we haven't done? We haven't told anybody about Jesus who set us free. In fact, I wonder if we've ever been set free. All that can be used, that type of behavior can be used by Satan to lead us into temptation. And don't think I don't deal with it. <laughs> don't think every day. When certain people walk in front of me or act certain ways or whatever, and it's usually just not the way I act, don't think that the thought doesn't come into my mind immediately. Oh, you stupid so-and-so. It comes into my mind. But I make a conscious choice to say, no, in the name of Jesus, that's not who I am. You know what it does? Listen, it causes us to hate it causes us to treat others with contempt, to look down on other people who are just as valuable to God as you are. It causes us to kill and to murder one another. It causes us to fail to witness to people. Because we're not going to witness to people we hate. In fact, we've blown our witness with them. Which in effect means that because of our deeply held, selfish, and sinful prejudices and anger we let people die and go to hell without ever telling them about Jesus Christ who loves them and wants to set them free. And that's anything but worship. Cain was a worker and he was a worshiper. <clears throat> but in verses 8 to 10, you see Cain the murderer. You need to stop and think about that some. Here's what it says to me. If you were to read verses 8 and 10, it talks about how he had a talk with him and it's like the idea that he lured him out in the field and then he kills him, kills his brother, murders him. God confronts him and says, where's your brother? Well, I don't know. I got to keep up with him too now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you do. You know what the answer to that question is? You say, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, you are. You are. Somebody around you needs help. You know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to help. I don't do it all the time. Listen to me now. I need to be sitting out there and somebody else needs to get up here and preach this because I need it. This is what God's been just bearing down on me this week about. I don't help enough people. I don't care enough. I let this junk dominate my life and it's not right. It really cripples the mission. We cannot separate. Now listen to me. We're talking about we cannot separate our relationship from God from our relationship with our brothers and sisters. And that includes our spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ and our natural brothers and sisters in this world. An unforgiving spirit 
like the one that possessed Cain, hinders worship. It destroys fellowship with God and fellowship with God's people. In fact, there was a time when Jesus was talking with people about worship and they had right, wrong attitudes with each other. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said it'd be better if we interrupted our worship and went and got right with a brother than to pollute our sacrifice because we had a bad spirit within us. That's what he said. Anger is a powerful emotion. In fact, I, when I read the New Testament, I'm pretty sure that the New Testament tells Christians to totally put away anger. I know what some of you are doing right now. Well, you know, righteous indignation. Yeah, we're not talking about righteous, righteous indignation. <laughs> Nothing righteous about this. Anger is a powerful emotion that leads to violence and even murder. Jesus said that anger in the heart was the moral equivalent of murder with the hands in Matthew 5. Think about it now. Think about it. I, I'm the worst behind a wheel. I'm the worst behind a wheel. If you want to test my, my commitment to Christ, put me behind the wheel. Especially now. Everybody's talking on the phone. I'm always in a hurry, and they sit in their green light. But <laughs> every year, every year, angry drivers cause accidents that kill over 35,000 people. Anger. Kills in a car, 35,000 people in the United States of America. 35,000 people. We say that quick. Angry people kill hundreds of people because they lose their job. Just on the job site, people lose their job. They get angry, and they come back and kill innocent people. Not always just the boss that fired them. They just are out of control. And see, Scripture says this plainly in the book of 1 John. If we hate others, we're not in the light. If we hate others, we don't have God's love in our hearts. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 says this. Man, this blew me away when I found this passage. For this is the message that you have heard. Now check out what he says. From the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one. Not as Cain, who was of Satan and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? This is scripture. Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Cain was a child of the devil. That means that he was a murderer and a liar. Jesus was talking with some people one time and they were wicked people and they were claiming that they were children of God. You know what Jesus said to him in John 8, 44? You're of your father the devil. And so the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Cain was a liar. Cain was a liar. He lied to his brother when he enticed him to take him out in the field and kill him. I'm sure he didn't say, come on out here and let me cut your throat. I mean, I'm, he probably either did it with that or a rock. He lied to himself and thinking he could do such an evil thing and get away with it. And he obviously thought he could. He even lied to God and tried to cover up his wicked, wicked deeds. And the more that I just began to think about Cain's sin, and the more you do, the more monstrous it becomes. This wasn't a murder that was committed and motivated by sudden passion. No, 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 no. This was carefully premeditated. Cain didn't kill a stranger who came in and made a threat in self-defense. That's not murder. He murdered, listen, his own brother. 
out of envy and hatred. Cain did this after being at the altar to worship God. In spite of God's warning, he went out and did it. In spite of God's promise, if you do right, will you not be received? I mean, this is horrendous. And, and then after the horrible, horrible deed of murdering your brother, he, Cain took it really lightly. Went about his business like nobody, nothing that happened. Tried to lie his way out of it. I don't know. What am I supposed to do? Be my brother's keeper? He knew his brother was dead. This is unbelievable. Anger is incredibly dangerous. And anger is grotesque in the life of a forgiven follower of Jesus Christ. It is so against Christ. And that's why today is your pastor. I usually try to come in here Sunday morning and speak to those who are guests. But I'm speaking, and I am speaking to you today, but I'm really speaking to the church, my best friends on the face of this earth, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm literally begging you as your pastor. I am literally begging you. You hear me? Now, I'm asking you and I'm begging you to do two things. Number one, as serious as I can be, help me reach this community for Jesus Christ. Because if people really, really, really know Jesus, if they truly get born again, their lives and their eternities and our culture and everything is better. He really is the solution. He really is. So I'm asking you to really help me reach this community. How? By getting serious about your walk with Christ first. Getting serious about church and your involvement here. Getting serious, real serious, dead honest about caring for one another and calling one another and checking on one another and praying for one another. Get serious about serving in this church. Get serious about helping and get serious about witnessing and sharing your faith. I mean, I get the feeling sometimes that if most of us, if people won people to Christ and witnessed like we witnessed, that most people would never have a chance of getting saved. So number one, help me reach this community for Jesus. It, it's the only hope we have. It's really the only hope, but it is the hope. It is a great hope. It's, it can change anybody. It really, really can. And then secondly, I'm going to ask you to do this. Please, 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 with the gospel of Jesus, deal with the anger that is inside of you. Stop justifying it. Stop couching it in an American flag. Just admit it, that it's there. We all got it, one way or another, but admit that it's unchristlike. It's not, listen to me now, it's not coming from the Holy Spirit. Stop justifying it, admit it, then what do you do? You just admit it and say, God, this is a problem. Then you confess it. You get specific. God, my problem is this. God knows what you're thinking, so go ahead and say it to him. God, I can't stand the fact that this and this is happening. 
but name it and call it sinful and call it evil. Even if anything in you, everything in you, flesh-wise, just, you know, as a human, like, like makes you want to accept it and agree with it and it feels good. You admit it, you stop justifying it, you confess it as sinful and evil. And then I'm asking you to help do this, replace it. Replace it with love for other people. Last week I took my daughter's car. It broke down right in the middle of the street. Two young guys helped her roll it out of the street, and after they got it out, I come wheeling in there, and I was ready to help out. Got to tell you, at first, I was ready to tell those two guys, all right, thanks for helping her get it out of the street, get away from my daughter. <laughs> I love her. I want to protect her. I went down to get it fixed, had it towed down, and Towing bill was 85 bucks, man. Towing bill was 85 bucks. You know, tow it about two or three miles and then get down there. I met a fella, a good friend of mine. I hadn't seen him in a long time, African-American guy. He's standing there, we're talking. <coughs> I walk back, I call back later, and I say, how much is my daughter's bill? And they said, well, it was so-and-so, but uh, that fellow that was standing there, Paid $250 towards it just to help you out. You, it's not enough to just try to love people. If you, will, if you will replace the anger that's very real with an act that is very real, it goes a long ways towards helping you. It really does. I want to push you out of your your comfort zones I want you to help people replace the anger with love for other people and then I want you to do this just reject it and refuse to be a part of this crazy insanity that is filling our nation this anger and this selfishness and this prejudice just refuse to be a part of it Show others the pure, peaceable Christianity of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you see a cop, tell him you appreciate it. He's really got a sucky job. I wouldn't be a cop for anything in the world. Are there some bad ones? Yeah. A lot of them. A lot of bad preachers. A lot of counterfeit money. You'd think some people took the same stance towards that. They'd say, well, I'll never touch another dollar bill in my life because one time a guy gave me a counterfeit. I'm never touching money. Never having anything to do with money. Hate all money. No, we don't take that. If you see somebody that's skin is a different color than you maybe it's white maybe it's black I don't know what maybe they're Latino maybe whatever I don't care love them don't just instantly judge them that's so unlike Christ 
And guys and gals, I'm telling you, it'll kill our mission. Now, I don't sense that there's been a widespread, yeah, yeah, I do. <coughs> there's a widespread problem with this in my heart and yours. It's amazing how quick we can qualify it and classify it and deny it. Let's just deal with it. Amen. Amen. Fill your heart and mind with the word of Jesus. Remind yourself where you came from and who brought you out of it. And then just remember, just remember, every time hate and anger wants to well up in you, you remember it just like this. It's a raging, fierce beast right outside your door crouching, saying, open the door. I'll get you. Lord, I pray that you would please humble us. Please help us to be honest about our own wickedness and not to be a, a liar and a murderer, but Lord, to be a worshiper, to really remember that you have brought us out of prison, that you have brought us out of shame and guilt, that you gave your own son, that we're nothing without you, that we can't even breathe one breath without you, but that with you, Lord, you can do amazing things through us and through the gospel. And so I pray that, Lord, whether someone is here today who just needs the salvation of Jesus Christ, that they would come. If there are all of us here, that every one of us, Lord, regardless of our age or circumstances of life, that we would be humble today and say, yes, Lord, it's still a problem with me. Yes, Lord, it's wicked. It's sinful. I agree with you. And I want to stop it. I need your power and your help. And I'm going to replace that anger and that hurt, that bitterness and prejudice with an act of love I'm really going to try Lord help me and Lord I want to refuse to be a different a part of it so the mission can go forward I don't want to be like Cain in Jesus name Amen